Good morning. Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on August 19th, 2012. Today's message is Converting Our Allegiance by Pastor Ryan Cochran. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, Lord of all things and our high King, we come to you and ask now that you would speak to us through your word by your spirit. Amen. Today is our last week in our short study in the letter of Jude. In a few weeks, we're going to begin a series on the letter of James. Jude and James, two men who grew up in the same household as Jesus, sons of Joseph. But at some point in their life, uh, we know that Jude and James as they watched Jesus going about his ministry, they began uh, being concerned. And they actually tried to stop Jesus from what he was doing. Uh, they went to him and they tried to seize control of him and, and tell Jesus, you are out of your mind. Uh, you need to stop whatever you're doing. You're going to get yourself killed. At some point in their life, though, Jude and James went through a conversion and became Jesus' followers. In their letters, Jude and James do not identify themselves as a brother of Jesus, although it no doubt would have been tempting for them to do that, as it certainly would have given them status in the Christian community. But instead, they give themselves a different title, servants of Jesus Christ. Jude and James went through a conversion in their own lives, and their letters call us to conversion as well. In these letters, we see that there are, in fact, many different conversions that we need to go through as followers of Christ. And last week, as we looked at Jude, we, we looked at the conversion of our desires. Being a Christian is not only about converting what we believe in our minds, but is also about what we love, what we desire. We need to go through a conversion of our desires question we asked last week is this. Is Jesus Christ your greatest desire? Can you say with the psalmist from Psalm 27, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his temple. Is that the one thing you desire. Today we're going to talk about a different kind of conversion that we must go through. We each need to go through a conversion of our desires. But there's another kind of conversion we need to go through, and that is the conversion of our allegiances. Who or what do we serve? Who or what do we follow? Who or what do we give highest honor in our life? Who or what do we give ultimate authority? To who or what do we give our ultimate allegiance? One of the main themes throughout the book of Jude is around this issue of authority. 
Near the very beginning of his letter, Jude makes two accusations against the false teachers that have come into the church. It's in verse 4. Jude says this, Certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. It's the second of these two accusations that we're going to look at today that these teachers were denying Jesus Christ as sovereign and Lord. Our ultimate and final allegiance must be given to Christ. Our final authority in life must be Christ. And I think what we need to hear today is that true freedom and happiness in our life comes from submitting to Jesus Christ as Lord. True freedom and happiness comes from submitting to Jesus Christ as Lord. The scriptures teach from Genesis to Revelation that true freedom and happiness come from submission to God. Obedience to God, coming under his authority, is what leads to true freedom. Paul writes in the book of Ephesians that in in the fact <clears throat> Paul writes in the book of Ephesians that in God's plan for all things that everything in heaven and on earth will come under the authority of Christ. One could say that heaven, that good place that all of us want to go to someday, that heaven is the place where all things submit to the authority of Christ. If you do not want to submit to Christ in your life now, you will not like heaven very much. It is the place where all things submit to his authority. Freedom comes through obedience, submission to Jesus Christ. And in this letter, we read that Jude is furious that there are teachers who have come into the church who are denying God's people their true freedom. They are denying God's people the freedom that comes from submitting to Christ as their only sovereign and Lord and are leading people into the bondage of slavery. Jude knows, and we need to be reminded today, that our freedom comes from submission to Christ. And we need to be reminded of this because we are taught every day by the prevailing spirit of our culture that freedom and submission are opposites. Freedom and submission are opposites. The definition of freedom in our modern world rejects any idea of submission to authority. Freedom instead is defined as the possibility of personal choice without any constraints. Freedom is most often understood in our culture as personal choice without any limits or constraints. In our modern world, we've learned to be suspicious and to reject authority, really any authority at all, whether it be political authority or church authority or parental authority, and certainly the authority of God. Human freedom, instead, is understood as personal choice without any constraint. This is a part of the spirit of our Western culture to be suspicious of authority. The individual must always be free to choose, to decide for themselves what is good for them without any limits at all. 
I think in our day, this idea of freedom is being stretched to the absurd. It's being stretched to the point where it has become acceptable that even our own biology should not constrain an individual's personal choice. Sex reassignment surgery, for example, is only possible in a culture that believes that human freedom means personal choice without any limit. Personal choice is so important to our culture that we've come to believe that even our biology ought not limit us in any way. As Christians, I want to suggest to you today is that what we need is to be converted from this idea of freedom. Freedom as personal choice without any constraints. We need to be converted away from this idea of freedom because it is slavery to ourself. We need to be transformed by the Spirit of God within us to arrive to an understanding of freedom that comes from submission to God. Living under God's authority, giving allegiance to Christ, is what enables us to make personal choices that lead to life rather than to death. Let me give you an example of what I mean. Consider a man who is addicted to cocaine and also has $50 in his hand. Is he free? According to the definition of those in our modern world, he is free. He is free to go and to make a personal choice, and at that point, with their addiction, their personal choice will no doubt lead them to make a purchase that leads to death. But according to the scriptures, that man is not free at all. His personal choice actually leads him into slavery, not freedom. In that moment, he is a slave to his addiction, a slave to his personal choice. He is anything but free. When the Bible talks about freedom, it doesn't only talk about being freed from something, but when the Bible talks about freedom, it talks about being free for something. In other words, in the Christian worldview, freedom doesn't simply set us free from some authority so that we can do what we want or what we choose. Instead, biblical freedom sets us free for the purpose of worshiping God and loving our neighbor. Theologian Victor Austin recently wrote a book called Up With Authority. Our cultural mantra is often down with authority, but he wrote a book called Up With Authority. And in this book, he argues that we are created by God to live under authority and that human communities cannot be set free to flourish without authority. Austin uses the image of a conductor in an orchestra to make his point, and I believe I used this illustration a couple months ago when we were talking about idolatry. If you think about a conductor in an orchestra and the importance that that conductor has uh, for the sake of the flourishing of that orchestra. An orchestra is an excellent picture of the importance of authority in human communities in order for those communities to have the freedom for flourishing, to be the very best that an orchestra can be. A conductor is in authority over this small community of people who come together for a purpose, a purpose to perform a piece of music in this small community of people, all of them, 
must submit themselves to the authority of the conductor in order for the music to be performed well. Imagine for a moment that we, that we did this with the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra. Let's imagine that we took all 100 or so musicians of the VSO and we placed each of those musicians in an individual room and we put a microphone in the room and we gave them each the exact same piece of music. And we told them all to start at the exact same time, but they couldn't hear one another. They were in the room all by themselves, and we were in this room with all of their microphones uh, being piped through our speakers. How long would it be before that song sounded like chaos? Even though they had the exact same piece of music right in front of them, even though these are uh, incredibly trained musicians, within seconds, if not within at the most a minute, those sounds would be chaos. Every piece of music requires interpretation. Every piece of music requires someone to decide the tempo. Every piece of music uh, requires someone to decide what emphasis that performance should have. And the conductor, the one who is in authority, brings all those musicians in place in order for that piece of music to come alive, in order for that piece of music to have the freedom to flourish. If the interpretation of the music is left up to the personal choice of all 100 musicians, there would be chaos, not flourishing. The freedom for that orchestra to flourish comes from the authority of the conductor. This is an illustration, I think, of what the Bible means by freedom coming from submission to authority. Freedom is not only freedom from limits or constraint. Freedom is a freedom for something. Freedom is given to us by God for something beyond ourselves. The freedom that comes from submission to Christ enables us to be set free from our sin and the enslaving authority of our flesh and our personal choices and sets us free to fulfill our purpose, to worship God and to love neighbor. Sets us free to accomplish and do things that are for our benefit and for the benefit of others. In his letter, Jude warns against the dangers of rejecting authority. In verse 11, Jude cites three Old Testament examples of men who rejected authority and did what they thought was best rather than submitting to God and his authority. Jude, verse 11, Jude says, Woe to them! They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. If you're familiar with these stories, you will know that each of them, in one way or another, are about rejecting authority. Cain did not offer a right sacrifice to God, but gave God the sacrifice that he wanted to give. Balaam was given power by God to speak words of prophecy, but instead of listening to God and speaking words of blessing over Israel, Balaam loved money and listened to another king rather than to God. Korah is an interesting story. It's found in the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Korah and a few other leaders in Israel began to grumble against Moses, the person who God had put in authority over Israel, and challenged Moses' leadership because he wanted to have more influence and power over the people of Israel. 
In this story, needless to say, things did not turn out very well for Korah and for his followers. Numbers tells us that the earth opened up and swallowed Korah and his followers and took them to their grave. The way of Cain, Balaam's error, and Korah's rebellion, each of these examples in one way or another are stories of rejecting God's authority and submitting to some other authority. And then Jude goes on in his letter uh, to give some powerful illustrations to show the dangers of rejecting authority. Uh, Verses 12 through 13. These men are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with with you without the slightest qualm. They are shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted twice dead. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shame, wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved. Five images here that Jude gives about the danger or uh, the ways that, um, that rejecting authority causes trouble or, uh, or, or sin rather than causes the good of the community. First example is shepherds who feed only themselves. Uh, shepherds who are only concerned about themselves are not fulfilling their purpose as shepherds. They're not caring for their sheep. He calls them clouds without rain. This isn't a very good illustration for us in Vancouver. We're usually happy to see clouds without rain. Uh, Last night at our golf outing, it rained for about three minutes, and then we were very glad for the rest of the evening to see clouds without rain. We were able to, to play. But when you live in a desert, clouds without rain are disappointing. For the farmer, clouds fulfill the purpose, the good purpose of bringing rain. But when it's a cloudy day and it's not raining, it's not only not raining, but it's also blocking the sun. It's kind of doing damage and disappointing in two ways. Not only is it not uh, bringing rain, but it's keeping the sun from shining on the crops. Clouds without rain are disappointing. The teachers are leading the church to re, uh, who are leading the church to reject the authority of Christ. Uh, Jude also describes them as trees without fruit. Jude must have been wandering around in my garden when he thought of this example. I have a nice big tomato plant. It's almost my height, um, with lots of flowers that are failing to turn into any fruit. I have three small little tomatoes at the very bottom, and I don't think that the rest of those flowers are going to turn into fruit. A fruit tree without fruit is ultimately disappointing. It is not fulfilling its purpose. He also calls them wild waves foaming up their shame. You've probably heard that in the last few months, quite a bit of debris from the tsunami in Japan is starting to wash up on the coast of North America, the west coast of North America. When waves crash onto the shore, uh, it often washes up all the stuff that doesn't belong in the ocean. When it's pollution, the water washes up as foam, and you can see the impurity in the water. And if you've ever been at the ocean and you've seen that foam, it can look pretty disgusting. A wave crashing onto the seashore can be a powerful and beautiful thing, but if the water is polluted, what the wave leaves behind is disgusting. The result of rejecting authority, while appearing, I think, to be a powerful and beautiful thing, like the crashing of a wave, that philosophy of life ultimately leads to death. 
The fourth image, that, uh, the fifth image that Jude uses is wandering stars. The ancient people uh, knew that the night sky above them uh, displayed order and regularity. Uh, for thousands of years, human beings studied the sky in order to de- determine the times and the seasons uh, because they knew that those stars reflected a certain order. But in ancient days, there's evidence that sky watchers had a difficult time accounting for planets because sometimes the planets would just disappear, sometimes for years on end. And so they were called wandering stars. In our, uh, if you watch the stars at all, sometimes we can see Mars and Venus from Earth, but sometimes they disappear as they go out from our view. Here Jude calls the false teachers wandering stars. A wandering star from his perspective is a star that has rejected its order and has lost itself in the darkness. These false teachers have rejected the order that is given to them, the authority that they are submit to, and they have become lost in the darkness. I think in a lot of ways, our modern view of authority is very similar. Uh, It speaks a similar word that the false teachers were in Jude. The modern view of authority places an emphasis on personal choice, and puts the self in the place of God. Jude calls the teachers in his day godless and ungodly. And our modern view of authority could be called the same, godless and ungodly. It is godless and ungodly because it places the self into the place of God. But our modern view of authority, this godless and ungodly view, will ultimately disappoint us like clouds without rain or like tomato plants with no tomatoes. The result of our modern culture's view of authority has led uh, led to individuals who believe that in a world without God, that they themselves are the final and sole authority of their life. Modern individuals believe that they are autonomous, that they have the right to make their own rules, to determine what happiness is for themselves, to determine what the end goal of life is on their own. We are citizens of this modern world, and we are influenced by this view of life. We also are tempted to believe that personal choice is what leads to true freedom. I think that each of us need to pay attention and be careful that we have not come to believe that our personal choices and our preferences are our final authority about how we ought to act and respond in the world. What is the final authority in your life about how you spend your money? Is your bank account submitted to your personal comfort and preference Or is your bank account submitted to Christ? What is the final authority in your life regarding your time? Does the order of your day, does the order of your week reflect that you are submitted to God or submitted ultimately to your own personal choices and preferences? I don't know what it is for you, but for each of us, there are no doubt areas of our lives that we have not submitted to Christ and made him the final authority, but instead have allowed ourself and our own personal choice 
to be our final authority. It's a challenge to resist this view of the world, to live our lives based on this philosophy of self, to live according to our own personal choice. It's difficult to resist, especially when we have so many resources as Canadians to pursue our choices and to gain and acquire them. But this philosophy will ultimately disappoint us. This way of life will ultimately disappoint us. This way of life is like clouds without rain, like fruit trees without fruit, like foam washed up on the shore, and like wandering stars that find their way into darkness. If we want to be truly free, if we want to be truly happy, we must come under the authority of Christ. Jude's letter, in spite of some very strong attacks against these teachers, ends with incredible words of hope. It is filled with hope that Jesus Christ, who is at work within us, as Paul says, that Jesus Christ, who began a good work in us, will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. I think Jude and Paul say the same thing in, their final, in Jude's final letter. Jude says this to us, to him who is able to keep us from falling. Each of us need to go through a conversion. We are always being molded into the way of the world, which leads to us falling. The way of the world teaches us to desire things that are not God and teaches us to reject God's authority in our life. But we have a promise here that as we seek to trust in him, as we seek to remain in him, that Jesus is at work and he will keep us from falling and being shaped into this mold. He is able to keep us from falling and do what? To present us on the day of judgment without fault and with great joy. In Christ, we have been forgiven from our sin. We've been made to be without fault through his perfect life and sacrifice. In Christ, we have been forgiven from our sin so that we can be set free for God's good in our life. So that we can be set free so that on the day of judgment, when we bend our knee to Christ, that we will do it not begrudgingly or in fear, but that we will do it in great joy, knowing that he is the one who holds authority in our life and submitting to his authority is what brings freedom and happiness. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.